All right, all right, take your seats, everyone. This time we're talking about motivation. Please take your seats. Thank you. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast, a podcast where we talk about the tools and the strategies that can help you create sustainable, positive changes in your habits, in your mindset, and in your life. My name is Brock Armstrong. And I'm Monica Reinagel. And today's episode was suggested by one of our listeners, Liz, who called and left us a very nice message on our voicemail. Let's play it for you now. Hi there, Brock and Monica. This is Liz. I'm a registered dietitian myself, and I absolutely love your podcast as a supplement to my education and as I counsel clients. So thank you for everything you do. I have a question. How do you talk to people about consistently needing external accountability or validation? I have plenty of clients that I fear will let go of some of their habits as they don't have me to hold them accountable. So how do you coach someone to create that accountability for themselves or hold themselves accountable? What's that missing link? Thank you so much. If you have any insight and thoughts on this, I really appreciate everything you do. Wow, that is so nice. Thank you for the kind words, Liz, and for the great suggestion of a, of a topic for this episode too. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into this question because I think it comes up a lot for people who think that one of the things that holds them back is that they don't have enough motivation and they start looking around for somebody to hold them accountable. Yeah, accountability buddies. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that term, but I don't love the, uh, the, the whole message around it. But yeah, we'll get into more about that in a moment. But as usual, before we get into covering what uh, Liz asked us, we like to talk about things that people out there, you guys are working on, listeners, anybody who's written into us. And we also like to talk about things that we are working on. And I had a, a bit of an aha moment the other day. And it's a very particular circumstance, but I think it's a circumstance that's going to resonate with a lot of people. I am currently... Um, starting this brand new podcast. It is live. Woo-hoo. It is out there and you will hear more about it in the weeks to come. But in creating this podcast, I've actually returned to working with a group of people that I worked with for, oh man, on and off for the last decade. <laughs> and so I have a history with a number of the people in the company. And as any group of people who have a history together, there are the highs and the lows and the the bugaboos and the pet peeves and triggers and all those kinds of things. And I am no different than anyone else in that circumstance. And I've noticed actually already in some interactions with one of the the managers at the company that that I'm I'm partnering with on this new podcast that we had a great conversation. I actually took initiative and we had a great conversation and talked about our past relationship and some of the the issues that we had in the past. And and really, it was almost an, an apology session in some ways, but it was a very nice conversation. And I felt so good about it. And then sure enough, like two weeks later, something triggered me and those same old feelings bubbled up to the surface. But this time, I, I noticed it. I was aware of it. I pushed it down just deep enough that I didn't take to the streets or in this case, reply to an email in haste. I took a little bit of a walk. I 
had a little chat with myself, did a little bit of cognitive behavior therapy on myself and was able to actually see this as a new interaction and let go of those past conflicts or or past issues that we've had. Because, you know, all those feelings that we have with family members, with friends, with coworkers, it would be really easy to just never move on and always have the past basically predicting the future. And I definitely don't want that to be the circumstance. So I, I'm very proud of myself. I was able to, to do it once, which means, and this is sort of the crux of why I wanted to bring this up, because I did it once, I know I can do it again, and that will allow me to, to have a more healthy relationship moving forward. I just have to remember, it's not just, just doing it once isn't enough. I've got to practice this, and I've got to remind myself, I've got to stay vid- vigilant, at least at the beginning here, until it becomes the, the new normal. So, Yeah. Yeah, it it can be really hard to break longstanding patterns or dynamics in relationship, things that we've rehearsed over and over again. But it's possible. I love this story because the first step, of course, is, you know, talking about it openly and and, resolving to kind of change that dynamic. But then that's not enough, right? (laughs) You still have to practice that new response and those new dynamics, at least as often as you practice the old ones for them to become the new normal. But the other thing I love about this story, Brock, is that is that even though we can't always control what other people do, we can change the dynamic of a relationship all by ourselves simply by altering the way we respond. Oh, that's such a great point. Yeah, yeah. It's something I actually had kind of missed in my own behavior. But yes, I was definitely, I put no pressure on that individual to make any changes in their behavior. It was all pressure put on myself or, or the onus was put on me. Mm-hmm. That's such a, I mean, that really is kind of a great radical acceptance kind of a thing to do, isn't it? Well, and it's, you know, the only place we have any control is in our own actions and our own responses. It's so hard to control other people, <laughs> yeah. as much as we would love to. <laughs> so that's uh, ultimately a lot less frustrating arena to work in, but good for you. And thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thanks. So to our main discussion then. Monica and I just did some group coaching calls over the last last week or so, where we gathered groups of people together, got them onto Zoom, and everybody has their camera on. It was a really, really fun thing. I love doing those those calls because mm-hmm. everybody just sort of interacts, and we all have so many common issues and things that we want to have solved. But one thing that came up during one of the calls that actually ties in so perfectly with what we're talking about today was one of the individuals on the call brought up the fact that they were more accountable when someone else was holding them accountable than they were if that person went on vacation or wasn't present anymore. And they would just, if left to their own devices, they would throw caution to the wind and do whatever the heck they wanted. Right. And this is sort of the heart of Liz's question. You know, she's working with these clients and she realizes that if she were not there to hold their feet to the fire, they probably would not do that for themselves. And she's wondering how, as a coach, how can she instill that accountability? So this is exactly the same issue. Yeah. And there's really something about the way that this individual posed it to us or the the words that they were using, the, the look on their face, something like that, that made me just sort of zoom in on this one particular aspect of when I hear those words from somebody's mouth, the two sort of initial thoughts that I have is, okay, well, whose goal is this? Mm -hmm. 
Because if you're more accountable to somebody else than you are to yourself, it sounds like it's probably their goal, not yours. And number two is that maybe you just haven't spent enough time figuring out if that goal actually is yours, then why is it important to you? And and you may remember past episodes, we've talked about this many times, the, the idea of finding your why or aligning your own belief system with your, your values. So sort of posed it to this individual as being perhaps it's one or the other of those two things that's going on here, which makes you more accountable to somebody else than you are to yourself. And, you know, of course, it's okay to have people that you do things with, you know, to have somebody that you meet at the gym or meet to take a walk or check in with, you know, um, that sort of partner. I think that's fine. And it can be part of what makes it fun. Or sometimes maybe it helps you just kind of push through that little inertia I just think it's important that this isn't the only or even the primary thing that's keeping you motivated. Because then, of course, if something happens to that external prompt, your gym closes because of a pandemic, your friend moves away, you know, something happened or gets injured and can't exercise with you anymore or any number of things. But if something takes that external accountability out of your life, then you have nothing else. And that's just a really dangerous place to be when you've completely outsourced your motivation to another individual. So I would just suggest that if you are, if you have set yourself up with some sort of external accountability mechanism, that's okay. But take this time to actively work on building up that internal accountability. And we're going to have some ideas on exactly how to go about that. But the goal would be for that to gradually grow until it is really the primary source of motivation for you. And that external mechanism can just be, you know, a bonus or a backup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is a really big difference. It may seem like just a turn of phrase or or semantics, but there really is a big difference between it being, like you said, a bonus actually let's say it's a a gym date you show up at the gym for your for your workout and you're there because you really believe that you want to get stronger or you want to work on this part of your fitness and the bonus is that you're also not letting a friend down and you're keeping them company but if you're only there to not let that individual down well that there's a really big difference there you know what i think there's also a thorny little issue that sometimes we can secretly resent that other person you know because we're Mm. if we're really only there for them it's easy for there to be some irritation or some resentment and that's the last thing we want for ourselves or for our friends or our coaches or whoever we're working with so we don't want to set up that dynamic and speaking of dysfunctional dynamics yeah. <laughs> between <laughs> friends. <laughs> so I actually, a little while ago, I was writing an episode of my old Get Fit Guy podcast, and I was talking about the idea of motivation and did a bunch of looking into some scientific papers, some um, things that have been published about motivation. And there was a, a French, a duo of French researchers, Valorand and Thill, who wrote a paper called Introduction à la Psychologie de la Motivation. Well, you just wanted to do that to show off your French. <laughs> yeah, I did. It's true. 
I love being able to bust it out every once in a while. That's my right as a Canadian. But (laughs) the point is, in that paper, the thing that I really liked about it was they defined motivation in such an interesting way. And it's, it's a little hyperbolic and, well, they're French, so they can't help it. But the translation was that motivation is a hypothetical construct used to describe the internal and or external forces that produce initiation, direction, intensity, and persistence of behavior. Yeah, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it is a mouthful, but the, the most important thing I want to draw attention to is the, or the thing that really resonated with me anyway, was this idea that it was a hypothetical construct. Because I think we forget that so often. We think of motivation as being something tangible almost, mm. or something we can measure, something we can acquire, something we can store, something we can build up. Purchase. Like we, yeah, we can purchase, we can share with people. Like, right. But it really is so much, well, it, it really is a hypothetical construct. So I, I really enjoy that that definition for, for many reasons, the, the first being that, and then the idea that this hypothetical construct actually produces the initiation, so actually like starting to do something, what you choose, the direction, the intensity you choose, and the persistence of that behavior that this hypothetical construct could be used to to initiate. Uh, Yeah, I think that persistence is one of the most important parts, because often we feel a lot of that hypothetical construct at the initiation of a new activity. That's when we often feel at our most motivated. And um, where we really need it is to push through into that persistence phase. So I'm glad that they included that also just that they acknowledge that this is both an inside game, and you know, this internal and external Mm. forces and want to talk a little bit more about that too. Yeah, definitely. We'll get to that more. But I think you've got a little uh, a little nicer, simpler definition than well, I did. I don't know if it's nicer. It's definitely less academic. But uh, it reminded me when I listened to that episode and you referenced that paper that um, just a couple of years ago in 2019, I wrote a series of blog posts for our Way Less Life community. And my goal was to come up with a definition for motivation. And I actually came up with something a little bit simpler. Ultimately, okay. I arrived at this. Motivation is being willing to do what it takes to get what you want. So three different parts of that. You have Mm. to know what you want. (laughs) Then you Mm. have to know what it'll take to get you there. And then you just have to be willing to do it. Um, But it's that first step that is so important. And that is clarifying exactly what you want and why. And I think that's what you were getting Mm. at in our coaching session. When somebody said they were more accountable to somebody else, they may not have been in touch enough with why this is actually important to them, why this is one of their goals. And we've talked about this so many times in this podcast from different angles, why it's so important to tie our goals of different behavior changes or outcomes to our values and to our objectives and ultimately to our identity so that Mm -hmm. we have that really strong why, because that is basically what motivation is built on. And the great thing about once you've actually tied it into your identity is that then I think you can take that that next step. And this may be one of those cliches that you've seen shared around on social media, but the idea of switching that word motivated to the word committed instead. And I think that applies so much more 
positively and so much more naturally when you're actually working towards building an identity or you're working towards fulfilling an identity. So then instead of struggling to find motivation or create motivation or (laughs) manufacture it somehow, you can really just ask yourself, like, how can I be committed to my goal right now? Or how can I be committed to taking a step in the right direction towards my goal right now, rather than where's my motivation? (laughs) Yeah, I love that shift from motivation, which is so fickle. And we're always looking for it from outside of ourselves. So I Mm -hmm. love shifting from motivation to commitment, which definitely comes from inside, because it implies that we're going to keep going even when we don't feel like it, Mm -hmm. because this is something important to us. And I think one of the most powerful parts of that is that we're acknowledging right from the get-go that there are going to be times when we're not going to feel like it. And that doesn't mean that something has gone wrong or that we've lost something. It's just part of the process. Like when we make a commitment to another human being, you know, we have that old, you know, for better, for worse and sickness and Mm -hmm. health. We know it's not always going to be easy, but we're committed Anyway, come rain, come snow, come yeah, right. foul No, that's the Wait, postman. That's the, that's the postman. Yeah. Um, if you're yeah. going to marry a postman, I guess that probably ends up into your into your oh, house. Oh man, that would be a, a hell of a wedding ceremony. We <laughs> enjoy that. Uh, but actually, what you were just saying really reminds me of the a lot of the time because I'm a I'm a fitness coach. Uh, when people want to keep up their their fitness regime or something they're always bringing up this idea of like well professional athletes must have motivation coming out their ears because they get up every morning and they go and do it but really exactly what you just said is even professional athletes don't always feel like going and Mm -hmm. doing their workouts but it's not only their job but it's who they are it's their identity and it's it doesn't matter how they feel it's like well we get up and we go and do our jobs, no matter how we feel about it. And in fact, I'd say a lot of us feel very unmotivated to go to our jobs very often, but we still do because we need to collect the paycheck and we want to be that kind of person. And the same sort of ideal applies here. Like The professional athlete isn't any more motivated, isn't any more, well, they may be disciplined and all of that kind of stuff, but it's not about willpower or motivation. It's about acting in accordance with their goals because well, that's who they are and that's what they want to be. And they really are striving to become better at it at all times and at all costs, no matter how they feel. And I think that leads us into, and we we alluded to this already, but the idea of internal or external motivation, or you may have heard it referred to as extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. And I have a couple of definitions, not that we really need to get into it. It's pretty self-explanatory, but extrinsic motivation is gained from rewards offered by an external source and could be either tangible or intangible. So you could be winning a trophy or some prize money, or it could just be a pat on the back from a friend or a boss or a like on your social media or something like that. And then intrinsic motivation is the drive from your inner self to be successful because of the enjoyment or the pride you feel when performing or improving your skill level. Yeah. And I think we, you know, although both of these go into the mix, I think we tend to lean much more heavily on extrinsic Mm -hmm. motivation and not heavily enough on intrinsic motivation. 
So I think that part of this, and Liz, when you're working with your clients or all of you when you're coaching yourselves, part of the trick here, I think, is to be cultivating a greater awareness and appreciation of those more intrinsic rewards, you know, really Mm -hmm. pausing to notice and enjoy how you feel and how you feel about yourself when you do these things, when you move closer to your goals, when you show up and and give it your best shot, even though you didn't really feel like it. Just even pausing to to notice what a good feeling that is and what that does for your self-esteem can be part of building up that intrinsic motivation. Yeah, this is one of those things that I I know a lot of my fitness clients get really frustrated with me when I'm harping on them about parking on the opposite end of the parking lot instead mm-hmm. of parking really close to the door because they're always like, well, how is that going to help my marathon time? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it doesn't directly, but indirectly, if you take that moment to celebrate being the type of person who doesn't mind walking across the entire parking lot, but it does exactly what Monica was just saying. You have that moment of celebration and awarding yourself and internally for being the person who is cool with carrying their groceries across the parking lot when they're finished shopping and that kind of thing. It It's so much more meaningful than just improving your marathon time or burning some extra calories. Well, yeah. And I think another reason to become more aware of that intrinsic enjoyment is that, you know, you may not always have something outside of yourself who's going to pat you on the back, who's going to notice, who's going to reward you, but you always have yourself. So that's something that you will never run out of or be without. This conversation about extrinsic and intrinsic motivation also reminded me of a kind of cool turn of phrase that I ran across not too long ago about the difference between a state change and a trait change. And I think this maps on perfectly. So we might think of extrinsic motivation, those external rewards might be enough to bring about a state change. This is something that I do. Mm -hmm. But when we find that intrinsic reward, it's more likely to create a trait change, which is more along the lines of this is who I am. Oh, I really like that. And that's a really powerful shift. So it's fun to kind of think about whether you're experiencing a state change or something more like a trait change. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day because um, he's been working on having less alcohol in his life for quite mm-hmm. a while now. And we were we were discussing this indirectly. And now that I have some vocabulary to actually share with him because this is wonderful. The idea of just in the moment resisting the urge to have alcohol and instead having a NA beer or kombucha or something instead. Well, that's a state change. Right. You're doing something different. Yeah, you're doing something different. You're in- intervening in that moment. But to really lead to a lasting change, I was suggesting that he needed to, and I didn't have this language, but do that trait change. Mm-hmm. So the motivation is actually changed. The The behavior at its root is changed rather than the execution of the habit. Mm-hmm. So this is right. who I am rather than this is what I'm doing. Right. That's very, very, I love the way you phrased that. That's wonderful. <laughs> I can't take credit for that, but just caught it as it went by. Well, thank you for putting it on my radar. <laughs> You know, there was one other thing that I wanted to touch on today in this conversation, and that is using some sort of tracker to keep track of how you're doing. Um, Because I know a lot of people that we've talked to sometimes say that they'll use a habit tracker, Mm -hmm. like an app where you just kind of do a check mark if you you did whatever it was that you were intending to do, if you met your target or your goal for the day, they'll use these habit trackers. 
And they see this as a way of holding themselves accountable. And I have kind of mixed feelings about those kinds of things. I've certainly seen them be effective, at least for a little while, yeah. you know, for to get started. And I think that it can serve a certain purpose because it makes it harder to pretend that you're being more consistent than you are, you're mm-hmm. doing more than you are, or, you know, a little harder to deny when you're not doing it. It kind of keeps you honest, maybe. In that sense, it keeps you accountable because sometimes we can conveniently forget those times right. <laughs> that we don't follow through on our intentions if we're not actually keeping track. What makes me nervous, though, is that sometimes people get into this streak mentality. Mm where the only thing that's keeping them going is that they've got a long streak going and they don't want to break their streak, you know, of having gotten that check mark every day for 60 days or, or, or whatever it is. And of course, the problem there is that maybe one day you do break your streak for reasons maybe completely outside of your control, and then you have no reason to resume because you've broken your streak. So I I do want to caution people to to get into that kind of a thing where they feel like, well, once I break my streak, then it's it's over. You know, I've I've lost all the momentum that I that I gained by doing that for 30 days in a row or 60 days in a row. I know we talked a little bit about this in our episode on 30 day challenges. Mm -hmm. But to that end, I think if you want to keep track of how often or frequently or well you're meeting your targets or your goals, I would like to encourage you to be just as committed to keeping track of those times that you don't honor your commitment as the times that you do. So you're not just a fair weather tracker, hmm. but you know you keep you keep a record of the times that you don't. And I think one of the values of that is that it kind of compels you to confront and to think a little bit about the dissonance between what you say you want and the actions that you actually do or do not take. You know, I mean, if that's not lining up, that's worth looking at to see if you can figure out why. But if you never allow yourself to see that, if you just stop tracking whenever <laughs> you're, you're not going to get a re- good report card, then you're not really getting the benefit. So I would suggest that in some cases, the very first commitment that you need to make is simply to be willing to acknowledge, willing to see what is happening, even if you don't like it. (laughs) And even if you're not yet fully committed to changing it, to commit just to looking at it, you know, sometimes that's an important first step. Absolutely. And actually in the same sort of vein of tracking things and, and bringing some awareness to, to, the things that you're doing, I'd like to to bring up the idea of just paying attention to the words that you're using or the way that you're you're talking about the things that you need to do in order to attain your goal. You know, often we say like, oh, I should go for a run today uh, or yeah. I have to do my my workout or I have to do my meal prep or something something mm-hmm. in those sorts of terms. And we tend to make them sound like these terrible chores. And I think if you hear yourself making those kinds of statements, you hear yourself using those kinds of terms and that type of language, take note of that and make an effort to change it into something that's a lot more motivating. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, empowering. Empowering. And acknowledge that, you know, when it comes to actually moving towards your goal, you get to do these things. Mm-hmm. You want to do these things because it's moving you closer to your your goal. And maybe you even need to because of a deep burning desire. You need to do this. And when you change to those that kind of language, it can shift from that extrinsic motivation to the intrinsic motivation. And 
And again, going back to the original question here, that can really be a great step in eliminating that need for any external accountability because you've got everything you need from your I get to do this. I want to do this. I need to do this feeling that you're this getting is for inside me, you. Right? Yeah. That's such a good point. And those language shifts are so powerful. I love them. I guess maybe as a as a writer, I get really excited about, you know, when those small shifts in language can shift the tone of something so profoundly. And remember, this comes up a lot for us in the Way Less program. We often talk about how many choices we mm-hmm. make over the course of the day and that each one of those choices about what and how much and whether we're going to eat or we're going to move is an opportunity for us to make a choice that moves us towards our goal. And early in the program, people will always say like, oh my God, it's exhausting to have to make so many choices Mm. out of the course of the day. And I always think, no, it's so awesome that we get to make, that we get that many opportunities to make a choice. It's a complete shift in how that feels. So I, yeah, I second that. I triple that. I third that motion. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and sometimes we do hear, you know, stop shooting all over yourself, but sometimes I don't hear people suggesting what we could replace that with, you know? So instead of I should, I have to, I get to, I want to, I choose to. And then that's something that you're doing for yourself and not for some, you know, some rule that somebody else has set for you or some requirement. Okay. This was an awesome conversation. And again, thanks, Liz, for setting us up for this one. But here are the takeaways as I see them at this point. So number one is being more accountable to someone else than you are to yourself. Well, that can be a red flag that either your goal is off or your reason for that goal is missing. Hmm. And number two is if you can align your goal with your identity, then you can become someone who acts a certain way, whether you feel motivated or not, or whether you have external accountability or not. Number three is building your intrinsic motivation by cultivating more awareness of the internal rewards you receive can ensure that even on your worst day, you still act in alignment with your goals. And finally, number four You don't need to stay motivated in order to succeed. You just need to stay committed. For better or for worse. (laughs) Come rain, come Come shine. Come rain, come shine. (laughs) Okay, here's your lab experiment for creating motivation and accountability. When you find yourself searching outside yourself for motivation, we want you to just stop and ask yourself instead, why is doing this thing or achieving this goal important to me? Next, ask yourself, what's required of me right now? Who do I need to be in this moment in order to become who I want to be in the future? Then imagine how you're going to feel after taking that next step, even if no one else knows you did it. Will you be glad you did it, Mm -hmm. even if nobody else saw it? And if so, simply commit to taking that next step, whether or not you feel particularly motivated. All right. And once again, thank you, Liz, for sending us a voicemail. And if any people out there, if you're thinking of something right now that you want to share with us or that you think would make a a great episode or just a question you want to ask, 
you can go over to changeacademypodcast.com and look on the side of the, the web page. There's a little button. If you click on there, it'll open a little automated thing and you can ask a question right there on your computer or in your mobile device. So changeacademypodcast.com and send us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you just like we did from Liz. All right, we'll see you next time. Here's to the changes we choose. All right, thanks everyone. And don't forget to go to changeacademypodcast.com to leave us a voicemail.